When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This show is brought to you by The Makery, the podcast network for makers. Welcome to Knife Talk, episode 149 of your favourite knife-related podcast, which is quite specific, I know. Here every Monday is myself, Craig Lockwood of Chop Knives, Jeff Fader of Fader Knives, and Mareko Momassi of Momassi Fire Arts. And we've got a fun show for you. Another fun show. Every Monday we have a fun show for you. So we're going to start off as we normally do, talking about what we've been up to this week. So let's start with Mareko. Been a good week for you? It's been all right, actually. Um, I've been working on a special saya that is a very uh, big departure from what I usually do. Uh, it's got some kind of reinforcing liners, uh, G10 liners on the side. Um, uh, because it's being made out of buckeye burl. Uh, and the problem of buckeye or of any kind of burl is that the grain is going any direction. It, it's, mm-hmm. it's, it's not unidirectional. So it's it's every which way. Um, so I got the the G10 from Texas Ferry Supply to help kind of shore up and 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 kind of make it more sturdy. Um, and then now I'm working on kind of what's going to be uh, a spacer material that goes along what is going to be the cutting edge. And then I have to line the whole inside with leather. Um, <laughs> it's kind of it's been a slow process has been a pain in the ass uh, but i want this to be really good uh because it's going to be um my first stainless martin Siddick stainless uh oh actually it's not going to be my first martin Siddick stainless um but i guess my first damasteel forged integral that i'm actually sending out i forged i have forged a few of them in the past uh, but this will be the first one that's actually going out to a customer and um so i just want it to be really nice and spick and span and and uh, I want to make sure that the Saya really does a good job protecting the blade when it's mm. in it. And so sounds like a lot um, of work. That sounds like a lot of work. Mm. It is a lot of work. It's a lot of work. Did um, Did you see? I'm not sure who did it. Somebody did a, a Saya with a, with live edge this week. Somebody posted a picture, um, <laughs> and they're actually their their um, knife. The handle actually had a like a live edge on it as well. <laughs> looked. Really, I, just... I don't know how strong it would be, but it, it looked really cool. Yeah, there's a guy named Jared up in Vermont. I wonder if that was his that did the live edge. Um, he's a super talented side maker. Um, mm. He actually does a lot of stuff with Nick Anger's knives. Um, but no, I didn't see that. But I love the live edge thing. I love seeing uh, people making use of what would normally be like crap wood. Yeah. Um, or 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 seen as flaws, you know. But otherwise, you know. So the week's been. Good, slow with that. Uh, there have been, an, uh, if you haven't seen the news or heard the news, uh, the West Coast is being ravaged by fires right now. And uh, the air quality here, I, I'm definitely, I mean, air quality is pretty rough. Um, so I haven't been uh, actually going out to the shop because it's not necessarily good uh, to be breathing in the air. Um, but you can, tell, I, you can tell, the, tell the difference? 
Oh yeah, there's a huge. There's like this. You, imagine you wake up and there's a foggy mist in in your neighborhood or whatever, right? That eventually just kind of burns off or whatever. Here mm-hmm. it is smoke from fires, and it is <laughs> it is horrible for you to be breathing in. Imagine you know being in a fire and this just everything that is burning, all all of that is being put in the air and and you're breathing it, and especially when More it's live trees to wear and a stuff. Mask. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, it just uh, all the different resins and all the, you know, whatever is catching on fire, houses, appliances, all these nasty paints, chemicals, shit that's going up in the air. It's ending up in your lungs. You don't want right. that. So we've been staying in. A lot of people have been staying in. We definitely do not have it the worst, though, for sure. There, you know, there's 100,000 acre fires in Western Washington or like central Washington right now, right. parts of Oregon and California. Jeez. It's fucking crazy um and actually i want to give a shout out to uh a friend of mine noah who owns axe wax he's in he's in ashland oregon and they're getting their asses kicked down there right now uh he everything he sells right now 15 percent is going to be going to support um just uh kind of like the recovery effort down there he's trying to be helpful down in his local area and help his community so uh, axe wax is a great product for helping to you know just like any other kind of like any other wax except for this stuff is all uh it's food safe it's 100 percent food food safe all natural ingredients uh, that he uses and it's great for preserving the finish on your knives and handles and stuff like that so again 15 percent of that any anything that goes on sale or that sells right now uh is going to be going to help support those so go check them out axe wax on instagram uh and but other than that, you know, that's basically all I got. How's your week been, Jeff? Uh, I mean, you know, it's been fine. Uh, actually, um, I'm going to be talking to Jeremy Spake uh, tomorrow on the, well, today it's Monday on the Full yeah. Blast podcast, and he's actually in he's in uh, in, in Oregon, yeah, Oregon, in Portland, Portland, Oregon. Yeah, so he's yeah. he actually he and I've been chatting and. Where I'm gonna get a kind of report from him. He got sent home for uh, half a day because of because of the what the the air quality. So yeah, sure. it's you know we're gonna hear about him. Uh, yeah, I've been know, chatting with him at the end of the week. Fine. Yeah. So um, yeah, I've been work. It's been a, you know trying to be positive, and it's we're being you know working working like a dog, and uh, I, I did a lot of. Uh, a lot of finishing up some things and kind of getting my mind right and uh i the uh, started the uh the trevor conk knives and i got them all ready there i'm going to be heat treating all of them starting this week so that's kind of cool i got all the file work done and you know fi- I, I ended up doing like 56 of them so we're uh i got all that done oh, and wow. they're they're Jesus. Yeah, a lot of file work. It was a little bit mania, but it was fine. And then a lot of cleanup on the um, on the profile and stuff like that. And and then I got another pile of knives. I'm just I'm I, I'm I'm at a point now where I'm bottlenecked because mm. um, I'm bottlenecked is one of is what the real problem is. And it's a lot of it has to do with just like organizing my labor, which is fine. Everything's everything's being done, but it's it's becoming oh, you're like one a, man. That's a yeah, lot baby. of fucking work right now. Yeah, no, no, it's fine. I mean, right now I'm working on 75 different knives, and it's and I'm 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 feeling comfortable. I'm feeling good. And Tony and I have a new knife that we're going to be putting out pretty soon. It was like drew something. You know, after I did the you know uh, the Cuban knife, there was such a everybody wanted me to make more of them, and I was like, I don't want to make the Cuban knife anymore because I want to design it with. Uh, 
Carl. It was like, you know, he died. I was like doing something. I just, it's just, I'm not interested in kind of making money off his name. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. at the same time, we wanted to just kind of like re, you know, have something that was like comparable or something kind of close, not close, but like a different take on it or, or something like that. So we did something where I, something coming out when the next couple of weeks that Tony named. And it's like, it's like more of a French style knife that's like the tip goes up and it has a kind of a kind of a swedge or harp, a short harpoon at the top kind of similar to like a brisket knife I do and Tony fucking Tony fucking named it it's such a great name he named it the Admiral he, we were trying to come up with names you know for, when you make a sculpture <laughs> and stuff like that people don't realize how important naming things is oh. it's so important especially with sculpture anytime you see art and it says untitled you'll fuck those people there they don't it's it's it the, the name of anything is super important untitled is for the birds if you're an artist out there and you name your piece untitled you, you got to go back to the drawing board because it's 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 so it's almost as important as as uh the work itself so tony came up and said hey, i got a great idea let's name it the admiral i'm like a fucking admiral so yesterday i was jumping up and down you know, pissed off that Tony had such a good idea because, you know, my, my you happiness, all the credit. my happiness these days is based on, is based on like, God damn, he did such a good job. I'm pissed. Like, um, you know, in terms of the podcast and stuff like that, uh, you know, Chris Cash made me so mad because he did such good, you know, Axe and I are not, podcast has been so great and I was just, he had owner Kagler on dies in every film it was so goddamn good I said to him I'm fucking so mad at you you did such a good job I can't do anything <laughs> with this guy now and I gotta wait now and so what else you know so why why the admiral why, why that well name? I mean there's a nautical quality to it and when Tony oh. and I talk about it I did I did the watercolor for it and I did the template for it and it looks great and it's just there is this kind of like you know sin you know when you see those swedges and those harpoon clips I mean there's this kind of you know Pirate quality style. that it's very sinbad the sailor or something like that and and all of a sudden he was just like i got a great idea let's call it the admiral i'm like fucking admiral i am all in for the admiral so he it was like it was like a really kind of a neat just felt right and and uh he's 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 been so uh it's just been really having him involved with fader knives has been like such a pleasure and i'm just i don't i'm very fortunate because he's great and his new and he got his audio scored away and his podcast overseas is is a fucking awesome podcast if you like food and stuff like that on the makery network go listen overseas and it's fucking good it's a fucking great podcast nice. and i i got a funny thing just real quick and we'll, we'll, i'll get on to it um he he and his uh his 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 podcast partner Xavier do a great podcast. He's been doing it for a long time. And um Xavier's microphone sucks. And it has been sucking for a long time. And then it got to the point where people were sending me messages saying, I love overseasoned, but Xavier's microphone's terrible. So I was like, why am I fucking customer service for another person's podcast? Which it means become <laughs> I bet the case. You only get a tenth of the messages I get. <laughs> I, I thankfully I get the tenth. I think people are a little too afraid to give me, you know, too much. So I sent I sent I I, I sent a text to Xavier at like five thirty in the morning. I fucking wake this motherfucker up. I'm like, listen, you better fix that. You go buy a microphone, you little motherfucker. I, I I'm tired of being your I'm tired of being your uh customer service. And it was Moonshine Metalwork. He he sent me a message saying your mate is doing a great job, but his microphone sucks. So now you gotta listen overseas and it's such a good podcast and Tony's on there and Xavier and they talk about food and it's it's great. So that's that and blah blah blah. How are nice. you? How are you, Craigie boy? I hear you. I hear you're. I hear you're good. I'm good. I'm good. Yeah. yeah. The sun's shining. Why? Why not be good? 
It's all good. You know, I um, hear you have nothing but like no technical errors, no problems <laughs> with, with things, and everything <laughs> is like moving smooth as silk. I've had a drama this week. Oh, really? Yeah, I've actually had a drama for three weeks, which I haven't mentioned on the show because okay. um, I bought a laser from China probably about six weeks ago now. Right. Took quite a few weeks to come to me. Worked great. Worked perfectly for two days. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, oh no. man. This this is the, the, you know, the cost of a car. This is like a big expense for the business, this. you know. And I'm like, oh, the shit. The cost of a car? It's pretty expensive. Pretty expensive. 10 Gs? A little bit less. Just a little. Oh, so anyway, so I get straight back onto them and say, look, it's, it's just not working. And I've, I've got to say, which is why I haven't mentioned it until now, their service has just been like the best. They were just like, right, okay, we're going to get an engineer on the phone with you. They're like 24 hours a day anytime because they're in China. It's a massive time difference. So we've got engineers on the phone. We've got translators and we're going to like FaceTime and we're, you know, we're, we're trying to work out what the problem is. Couldn't work out the problem is. So they said, don't worry, we're going to send you a new one. This is like the next day. They said, we're going to send you a new one. Huh. I'm great. Great. So I, again, I need to wait now. This is like two weeks for that new one to come. It comes, and again, I get a big bill from FedEx for the uh, for the tax, the import tax. And I'm just like, I shouldn't have to pay any more money. I paid for this. You know, I paid the tax right. on the first one. So you know, they were like, no problem, no problem. We're going to pay you back the tax, and they, and they have. It's not amazing. So I've got I've got two machines here now. Question. So Real came, quick question. Yes. How yes. heavy is the machine? Twenty four kilograms. What's that? Oof, All right. So, is it coming? Did it come on a pallet? No, it's like, it's like a wooden crate. It's in. Um, you can okay. lift. You can lift it. It's, oh, okay, you know, okay. It's, That's it's, what I it's, Yeah, you can lift it up onto a tabletop. It's it's heavy, but it's mm-hmm. not ridiculous. <laughs> so I'm like, okay. So I've got a new machine. Pull it out next to the next to the old one. Now and I got the two there. And this looks great. I got these two amazing machines. One doesn't work, but this new one's going to replace it. Worked for about ten minutes. No. <laughs> <laughs> exactly the same problem. And I'm just like, oh, no. you can you cannot be serious. So again, I'm straight on the phone to them. They get their their best men to FaceTime me and we're, we're taking bits apart and we've got multimeters on there and we're testing the outputs of everything. And it's just like, oh Jesus. We managed to find what the problem was. So um we we have a 220 system here for um electric. I know you guys in America have 110. Not sure what it is in China. But it was set to 220 and the power supply is rated to 220. But there's one little uh, logic board inside which controls the like the the galva which is like the mirrors for the laser which directs the laser. Mm. Um and that was still set to 110 on both machines. So that's why they're both fried. So I'm like, okay, we figured you know, we know what the problem is now and they're like, right. Okay, I'm just like, I'm, I'm down now. You know, I'm down, what, four or five weeks of work, you know, because th- these next knives that I've got, these um, sort of camp knives, the laser is going to be a big part of, of what these are about and people can choose what's on them and so on. So it's like, oh, man. So, you know, 1st of October, I'm meant to be sort of releasing these for, for pre-order and I need to have some, dem- you know, some demos to photograph and show what, they, what the options are, that kind of thing. So they were like, right, okay, we're going to refund you in full, included all the tax, so you go back to literally having spent nothing. And we're going to send you a much, much more expensive machine for free as a thank you for helping them out to sort out what the issue was. Oh, wow. So what? So Friday morning, I was nearly crying. I'm just like, geez, I've spent all this money. I've got two machines, massively expensive paperweights sitting on my desk. 70 here, pounds a pop. And it's just what's gonna what you know what's gonna go what's gonna happen now. 
but yeah, they. That's why I haven't sort of you know said anything for the last two weeks because they've been so so good, and answering you know calls immediately and but this all the support has been done via WhatsApp because um, they don't have Skype there, they don't have FaceTime, so it's, it's, it's WhatsApp for everything, and. Um, any time of the day, it's it's the same same woman. She replies and she gets the engineers in, and you know, the, straight away they were saying, "Look, we're going to refund you in full." Don't wow. worry. And they and they have, you know, that they, they. So as much as I'm really disappointed that you know these machines haven't worked, um, we've worked out why. Um, and they were telling me all their machines either go to China or the US. Uh. They do very very little in Europe. Um. And well, now they can do more in Europe because they fixed the problem. But it's yeah, I was their sort of guinea pig without really knowing it. But we managed to find the problem. It's all sorted. Um, and they've thanked me by giving me a, a. So basically, this was a fifty watt fiber laser, which allows me to do markings on knives, and you can cut out you know one mil brass liners, that kind of thing. Huh. Um, but they're giving me a brand new seventy watt, um, and this one is is far 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 better. It, it's to go technical, it's a MOPA laser, so I can do full color. Um, it, it comes with, you know, a big touch screen as well on it, so I don't have to link it up to a computer, drag into the into the shop and so on. You know, it's on a big desk. Or it, it's a proper industrial machine. So, yeah, so that's come in, and I'm, <laughs> I'm super hyped again. Whereas on Friday, I was down on the floor just thinking, oh, no. Sure. So my only hope now is that this comes quickly enough for me. I've got these. I've got a bunch of uh, camp knives done, waiting to be uh, patterned. So the idea with the laser is I've got five different patterns, and people can choose which pattern. And they're like textures. So one is like a leaf texture, one is like a knot texture, and all these things. So they, they look really cool on on these camp knives. But obviously, I can't do them until I get the la- get a laser back. So I'm hoping that's going to be here now very, very quickly. If not, I'll just have to put it back by a week or whatever instead of the 1st of October. But uh, So that has been my week, sort of trying to fix this laser, trying to work out what the problem is and trying not to just throw stuff at the wall and say, I give up, I give up. I have a it's question. Been, yeah. Is there yes. a lot of maintenance with these lasers? No, no. Once they're up, I mean... There's hardly any moving parts. There's there's a part called the galvo, which is which basically directs the the laser beam, and it's a bunch of really small mirrors on little sort of motors. But there's no like consumables. No, none at all. No, no. And it's yeah, it's all just it's electric. So you can get a CO two laser as well, which work in a slightly different way. And obviously they use you know they use gas to shield what they're doing, almost like a plasma cutter would. Right. Um, but this is, you know, it's pure, it's pure electric. And so, so when people are using like laser cut blades, um, you, you can get water jet or laser cut, they're generally going to be a fiber, fiber laser because you can get, you know, super, super power into these things. Look at so, you. yeah, so that's been, that's been my week. So I've, I've spent six weeks learning so much about this, you know, and on Friday morning, I thought, well, that's it. That was just all wasted time. You know, but um, no, they they've come real good. These this company, so yeah, I say I've got all my money back, and they're sending me a machine, so I can't nice. complain. I really can't complain. You should complain. Uh, well, I sort of did. Okay, good. There you but go. They made it right immediately. <laughs> yeah, there's, there's no question. They were just like, look, that you know, it it shouldn't we shouldn't be in this situation. So yeah, so you know, fair play to them. They they um, customer they service hard to beat. Good customer service. Yeah, but if you yeah, have a bad experience, good customer yeah. service fixes everything. Yeah, Are, is the is the laser going to be strong enough? I'm sorry if I missed this. Do, uh, is the laser going to be strong enough to be able to cut out your old 
own blade blanks? No. 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 Okay. You, you need okay. at least 1500 watt fiber oh, wow. uh, okay. laser for, for that, <laughs> which is like super, you know, the, you, it needs to be water cooled. It, it's, it's a big, it's a big machine then. You need a workshop okay. especially for this machine. Um, this is, you know, it fits on a, it fits on a tabletop. Um, yeah, so it'll it'll mark, um, it'll engrave, and you know it engraves enough so you know you can you can stick a nail in it. It's you know it's a you know probably a 0.5 millimeter engrave, um, and that's on like 20% of the power. And I said you know I've been using a 50 watt laser just on 20% power. You can turn the power up obviously to 100%, but then you've got you know you've got to play with you know your speeds and all exactly like with a mill. You know you have your sure, you know your your feed rate and all the rest of it. So it's, yeah, you just need to dial everything in, but yeah, twenty percent power is is enough to put a, you know a deep engraving in, but you'll never really be able to cut through unless you've got something super super powerful. Here you go. Look at you, laser, Mister Laser, Mister Laser, freaking lasers. <laughs> so I thought this. I've been listening to as part of yeah, as part of my daily routine, editing podcasts and putting them live on the Bakery and so on. Um, I listen to a bunch of other podcasts as well. Whenever I'm in the shop, or you know, whether I'm you know, I try not to watch the telly if I'm doing something, you know, if I'm doing dishes or whatever, I'll, I'll put a podcast on. And all I've heard this week is just like negativity everywhere. Everybody's talking about, you know, the fires and the virus. And it's just like, we need to be positive, I think. So we let's try our hardest for this episode to be positive. Um, and whenever we get a little bit down, whenever we're feeling a little bit black during the show, we can always... These are a few of my favourite things talk about our favorite things to make us feel happy <laughs> let's start with favorite top five songs of all time who wants to go first i couldn't think of songs oh I, I come on i couldn't i couldn't narrow yeah. it down to songs Man, I, I did vocalists like can, can i do yeah, vocalists can i do vocalists top five vocalists. okay uh my top five vocalists is are sia uh ah. otis otis redding there you go. I've got, I've got, I've got a story about, not about Sia, go but ahead. about my wife and Sia. Go ahead. So that, do you know that song Chandelier that she does, where he's just yeah. like crazy vocals. Yeah. <laughs> we were at my my sister's house a couple of years ago, and there's like an acoustic version of that as well, which is it's just mind blowing her vocal on it. Mm-hmm. And um, it was me and my wife. We were at my sister's house, and we'd had a few drinks, and my sister's got this like amazing uh, speaker system up on the ceiling, all hidden away. And it's all like linked to like an Alexa and stuff, and you say a song, and he just blasts out like super, super amazing audio throughout the house. So we're there now, and I play this, and my wife had had a few drinks. My wife just doesn't sing; she's pretty, she can be pretty shy, you know, in front of other people. But she tries to sing this song, and it gets to the point, you know, where Sia just like loses and goes off on one. My wife yeah. gave it three hundred percent. Oh wow! Everybody just sort of turned around and said, "What the hell?" <laughs> yeah, I'll always remember that. It was very, very funny. Way to go, Annie. <laughs> nice. Yes. Yeah. Sia, right. good choice. Yeah. So Sia, Otis Redding, Stevie Ray Vaughan, Chris Stapleton, and Ella Fitzgerald. What a diverse! Nice. What a diverse yes. group. Listen to a lot of stuff. Have you guys heard yeah. of Chris Stapleton? I have, and I'm trying to think the band. It's not. It's not Soundgarden, is it? Is it no, it's no, Chris no, no, Cornell. That would have been my. Yeah, it's Chris Cornell. Yeah. You know, I thought when you said Chris Stapleton, do you remember? I don't know. I don't know what's wrong with Garth Ennis, but he created this like fake character. Do you remember that? Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah, was it so like? Weird. Was his name like something? Didn't he come up with like an emo version of himself? Yeah. <laughs> he did. A, I don't. He, 
this is that might have been one of the craziest things of all time where this successful country music as far as you know the world you know the united states and country music fans are concerned and he just decides and he, he's an average looking guy he's not like you know you know well you know he probably at the time probably could have st- stood to lose a couple pounds and he just decides to put on a fucking positive jeffrey positive I'm come being on positive come on i'm positively <laughs> telling you what a fucking maniac he is he put on a, bl- a black dyed wig and eyeliner and he came up with his own different character and everyone's supposed to expect that it's we're all supposed to think that this is a different person Wow. You don't think that's funny? I don't know who this guy... I thought I knew who God he was, damn. but I clearly don't. What? So you said he's a, he's a country singer. Oh, my God. I'm going to... I'm going to... Garth... Garth Brooks. I said, I said Garth mm. Ennis. Garth... Bro, Garth Brooks. His Car- alter ego. Um, his, his bizarro Garth. Oh, my God. It was the weirdest was, thing. Right. Well, and it wasn't that he just did it in music videos. He actually did full-on performances, and he went yeah. out in public oh, as Chris, this character. It's Chris Gaines. Chris he Gaines. went out as alter right. ego as Chris Gaines, and wow. the images are so, I mean, it is crazy. It is super crazy. I'm going to send this to you right now. Uh, so this isn't Chris Stapleton, that Miracle Mansion. No, this is, this is Chris Gaines. Is we're, we're going off road here for a second. This I, is I, Garth I just Brooks you. pretending to be somebody else. He's, I mean, if you look okay, I, this picture okay. I sent you. <laughs> he he goes from like this guy in the you know uh, one of these shirts the uh, the um, you know like a regular you know flannel shirt to <laughs> do you see what I got you it's a super emo guy it's yeah. a super emo guy it's the craziest thing and then he goes out and he's like expecting people to think that he's not Garth Brooks is he still yeah. singing about like trucks and beer I don't know man I would imagine the not and blood Can you imagine wow so what does Chris Stapleton do Rekko sorry for he, he's country too um he's I, th- I think he's best known for this or i first heard him um singing this song i don't know the exact <laughs> name of the song but part of the lyrics is she's as smooth as tennessee whiskey she's as sweet as uh got it here yeah oh shit of course i forget oh, the sorry. fucking lyrics chris yeah, I'm, sure I'm pulling it up i'm sure it's all yeah pretty, it's a song I'm called sure, tennessee whiskey i got a feeling it's whiskey. kind of with country music, you can probably guess where no, it's going to no. go. I mean, it's not really, it's not going to yeah. talk about like, you know, you know, I think that's probably why Garth Brooks changed his name to Chris Gates. I think he got tired of, you know, telling yeah. people how much he looked, you know, his girlfriend looks like fucking whiskey or something like that. <laughs> how much he loves his truck. Yeah. yeah. Oh God. God bless country that's a good. That's a good five then. Very diverse. Very diverse. Very diverse. Very diverse. What have you got, Jeff? Songs P.S. or artists? Shout out to Otis Redding. That's a that's a awesome. Otis Redding yes. is just. I mean, you can't. It's hard for me. I we listen to so much old school um, soul soul music. I love I love everything about yeah. it. Mm. So I'm supposed awesome. to come up with five songs. Songs or artists? All right. Yeah. Well, yeah. I was actually when you came up with this, I was thinking about you know as a you know, as a Generation X guy, I, I was a huge fan of uh, Chris Cornell and Soundgarden. And, you know, a friend of mine actually became friends with him. Uh, and he was such an important part of my youth. And I, he just a beautiful voice. Everything he did, Audio Slave, all the other stuff, just like his solo stuff is just, yeah, Chris Cornell was pretty hard to beat. And then um, Curtis, if I'm, you're going to do Otis Redding, I'm going to say Curtis Mayfield. Curtis Mayfield was such a important part. It was a tragic story too, because you know he uh, he became paralyzed from like a sa- like a sandbag hit him behind behind the stage. 
behind the stage and it paralyzed Jeez. him. It was just oh, an incredible story. I mean, he's such an incredible uh, part of the 60s music. I love uh, Curtis Mayfield. And what else? Yeah. His, I really go- quick, his Pandora station, the, the uh, Pusher Man. Oh. Using that song as part as a station, that's Pandora station is fucking awesome. I'll have to check that out. I don't do a lot of Pandora. I don't do a lot of Pandora, yeah. but I, I definitely, I definitely, I'd be There's good. A lot of commercials. Well, just like the Makery Channel, right? Okay. Right. <laughs> <laughs> little stellar talk. You're not talking about that. Knife Talk is sponsored by Even Heat, the manufacturers <laughs> of the finest heat treating ovens available. Find your next oven at evenheat-kiln.com. Do the chopper! There you go. Get that. <laughs> wait, wait, get wait. them commercials in. We gotta remember those. Uh, <laughs> um, you know, I would probably have to say uh, I've been really getting into. I, I like. I like the Beastie Boys. Obviously, you know these New York guys, and mm. you know the. Uh, Beastie Boys, I'd say, and then uh, I gotta say the Rolling Stones. You can't not say the Rolling Stones. And then the last thing is, is I've been listening to a lot of interviews with Billy Joel, and I've been really listening to Billy Joel's music. And I know it's weird. I listened to an interview with him on the radio probably about two months ago. And as we were interviewing him, he had a piano with him. So as they were talking about his songs, he'd play little bits, and they were on, you know, on about his favorite songs that he liked as a kid, and he'd just riff on it, and he'd be playing it. The talent is incredible. Well, he's, I love him. He love actually, him. what he is a like a like a genius. I mean, when he mm. started to learn music, he as a child, he outgrew his all his teachers early on because he was just he just had an understanding of it that was like beyond his years. So you know, I, and it's weird growing up in New York too because it's like I mean he's a Long Island guy and and it was like it was weird because it was always like he's a Jewish guy he's pretending to be Italian or something like that. That was always the thing that always was weird to all of us. <laughs> We're just like, do you? Flip like from Long Island what are you doing and but at the same time it's like now that I've gotten older I'm far more I'm far more uh interested in him and then uh what else who else well I mean you know Bob Marley I mean you know it's hard to beat him and I know uh I know there was a death of Toots um somewhere what was this guy's name that just passed away this reggae singer Toots something. I saw that this morning. Uh, yeah, let's yeah. get it. Sorry about that. Toots Hibbert, father of reggae, mm-hmm. uh, is dead. Sorry to hear about that. I, I'm, I, you know, I, I, I wish positive. Jeff, positive. Being positive, I'm celebrating. I'm an important part of, uh, you know, music. You know, blah blah blah. I'm mean, blah blah blah. Someone's <laughs> life. Um, I wish there was more Calypso stations. I, I'm gonna have to look on the. Um, Pandora for Calypso stations because the reggae stations on Sirius XM are a little bit too like bananas. I like old school, you know, old school Calypso music. That's kind of where it's at for me, but that's what I would say, you know, mm. really nice. nice. Hmm. Craig, what do you imagine, got? I'm a- I imagine Calypso, so sort of like beach music. You know, no. you're sipping, you're well, sipping a cocktail, and you got the, you know, the, the big umbrella above you, and it's just like, yeah, chill. But right old, down. old reggae, old reggae is like. You know, new reggae now, it's like new rap music. It's just like, yeah. It's hard. Yeah. My, my daughter listens to it. I'm just like, man, this is weird stuff, man. This is like mumble rap and all that stuff. I just can't really get into it. And it's the same thing with new reggae. It's a little bit too, for me. I mean, God bless you. You like it. I'm with you. I'm with you. But like old reggae is so nice. Really good. Mm. Nice. There you go. What about you, Craig? Now we're at the positivity station. Yeah. Mr. Positivity Posit- 101. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I, this morning I thought of this little bit, so we'll have 
throughout the show we'll do top five different things so th this was songs i'll be honest with you i thought you guys would have put more into that i'll be honest well you, with you gave it to us like a couple hours ago <laughs> like like i mean it was for me all of a sudden it's like four o'clock in the morning for me i'm like just trying to get that's up true. that's true that's true it's you know give us a yet. week for god's sakes so top five songs um vincent don mclean a classic what's that always you don't know Vincent. I'm telling when I say what's that, it means I don't know Vincent. <laughs> it's you about guys do uh, that. Van, you guys love Van to do Gogh that. or Van Gogh, you as you this? may call it in America. It's what? <laughs> it's about Van Gogh or Van Gogh, as you call it. And it's, we're, we're trying to be positive here, but it's, it's about his depression, really. But <laughs> you know the one? It's starry, starry nights. Paint your... You know Should we be one. positive and say that Don McLean beat his wife? <laughs> 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 believe me most of the artists we're going to come up with they're going to be cancelled in some way so uh, i'm just I, kidding i, I don't, I don't think we know need to cancel the art i don't behind i'm just kidding i don't know if it's the case, it's the case. anyway it's the case. vincent by don mclean it's it I, right. it always puts me in a good mood i love it um second i've got cigarettes and alcohol by oasis which was the f the first song that I'd, I'd like completely learned to play on the guitar, where I could put it on and I could play the lead through, you know, throughout. How does that song go? So, so that takes me back. Um, it's it's basically a T Rex rip off. Um, you may not. You, I mean, I don't think Oasis made it big. Why don't you in sing it, America? I'm, I'm not here to sing. Come on. <laughs> I, Come on. You know. Um, but it's a proper sort of rock and roller. You know, mm. it's a stomper all the way through. Um, and that just takes me back to being sort of 18 when it came out and getting a guitar. And, you know, that's what got me into guitar. Um, on a similar vein, um, the third song is Creep by Radiohead. A good song. Good mm. song. And I've heard so many good versions. It's, it's one of those songs where people do versions of it and they're incredible right. as well. You know, I've even heard like operatic versions and they're, they're always really, really good. There were some like twin sisters who were singing it at one point. Uh, as a, they, uh, It was really great. They were on The Voice, apparently. Yeah. Yeah, it came up as like on oh, my YouTube. Literally just this. They must be listening to our conversations. Surely not. Um, it came up on my YouTube. It was like, you need to watch this. And I was like, ah, they were incredible. There's two little girls. Yeah. Um, what else? Bridge Over Troubled Water, Simon and Garfunkel. Again, one of those songs you just like, pew, it just beats you at the end. You know, you, you, you've got to sing along. And the fifth is Dreams by The Cranberries. Um, again, just takes me back to being much younger. And, There's you know, another sad situation. Um, no, it's actually quite a positive song. She that one. died it's, recently, yeah. and that was sad. Oh, yeah, I know. You got to bring everything <laughs> down. I mean, I love the Cranberries. That song. What was that song? Uh, what is that song? Their famous song. How to uh, let it linger. 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 Yes, yeah, it's, it's about farts. That song. Yeah. <laughs> you got yeah. me. Yeah, it's about farts. <laughs> oh God, you got God, me. God, this was meant to be full on it, inspiring. I'm uplifting. inspired. This we're going to call this one the black episode now. I think because Why? no matter what we've said, you managed to. Well, they're dead. They used to be their wife. <laughs> Come on, I mean, yeah, I mean, you know, it's fine. Oh, their music will live on. Yes, yes. Let's talk about knives in some way. Um, this is the part of the show that we do every week. If you've got a question about knives, you can always... Contact us via DM at Knife Talk on Instagram. It's ah. that easy. And this is the little bit we like to call... Hey, man, can I ask you a question? It's time for some questions. Actually, before we get into questions, I just want to remind people about um, Maker Camp. Not happening uh but they are starting to put they're going to be doing uh everything online on instagram they're going to be doing one hour instagram takeovers with a bunch of different 
demonstrators doing one hour demonstrations. Um, they're starting to put the schedule up. I think they got Friday up. Uh, it's Friday, Saturday, Sunday, I believe they're doing uh, of October uh, from the 9th to the 11th. And uh, yeah, they got Friday scheduled up. And then uh, I'm, I'm going to be demonstrating Damascus stuff on Saturday and Sunday. But keep an eye on the Maker Camp uh, Instagram for more information about all of those presenters. Cool. So this first question, uh, this one comes from Will Hutchison. And he says, hey, cuties, really interested in production and increasing my level of efficiency. I'm wondering what are some of the best changes and improvements you've made in your own process, whether it be equipment or uh, technique related, to improve the efficiency of batch-made knives? You guys want to kick it off? Mm. I'm interested in production and increasing my level of efficiency. Um what I tend to do when if I'm working on a batch, like I've just finished like a hundred of a, a big batch of chef knives. Um, make one from the beginning to the end. So don't do you know that that first step. Let's say you're doing a hundred. Don't do that first step with a hundred. Next step with a hundred. Make one from the beginning to the end, um, and make a note of how you're doing it because inevitably you're probably going to make a mistake on on that first one in some way. So make a note of all the steps for that first one. Once you've got that that first knife completely dialed in you're completely happy put the chart up on the wall with every single step and then you know then you could do let's say you're drilling holes in the tang you can do that on 100 knives tick that off onto the next step tick that off onto the next step that Smart. way you're not changing machinery around all the time and and that's what i find wastes a lot of time for me if i need to you know change something or change the orientation of my grinder or, or anything like that that's what takes time and that is when I can be easily distracted. So do that first knife, get all your steps clearly marked out, put that up on the wall so you know exactly where you are, then line up your 100 knives, 100 to the left, none to the right, and as you do them, you just across each side. Then you can tick off that first task onto the next task. And again, you get your 100 knives all the way through the process, you've got 100 on the other side of you. They're all done, onto your next task. I like that. All the way yeah, through. it seems to work for me, but yeah. it's just so important to get that first one completely nailed and you're very happy with it. And then, you know, you're not going to miss a step because I'm, I'm, no. I've done it before in the past where, say, I'm doing a batch of, I don't know, 20 table knives. I'll get, I'll get all 20 up to a certain stage. And if I've made a mistake, all 20 need to go in the bin. You know, <sighs> so make sure you nail that first. And I've done that more than once, more oh than God. once. So make sure you nail that first one and make very detailed notes um, for each and each step and make sure they're in the correct order. And you should be good to go. 100% agree. Got to think about it more like uh, the way a, a professional cook would do it, which is they're not making one dish at a time. They're mm. prepping all the parts and you're cutting the onions and then you're cutting this and you're going stage by stage by stage. And, and it's the sum of all things and not really worrying about like one at a time I, I that that's the most important thing it's always mindset mindsets and then you can have to ha and you have to have faith in the decision making you have to like yeah. not be willy-nilly and you have to be very organized in your thoughts to the point where there is no changes mm. Mm. Nice. Mm. Mm. <laughs> i mean I what have you got marek because i know you did those um that those bunch of stock removal knives the chef knives didn't it? a few months back now wasn't it 
Did, yeah. did you find any sort of big differences doing a batch as opposed to the, the singular knives that you normally do? Uh, no. I, I mean, it was it was actually kind of a, a reprieve for me to do the batch work ra rather than doing the single knife. Um, and I, I think part of it, it was kind of, it was kind of a fun step back into, um, the work that I used to do for Bob Kramer. Um, you know, that's what we were just doing all the time is slamming out knives. Um, and so, and it's something I, th I would like to do more of in the future for sure. Um, I think, you know, if I were to do some things to kind of increase i guess efficiency one of the things i've i would definitely do is you know that i think both of you do um is uh getting blades either laser hydro cut or water jetted um just because realistically especially if they're stock removal you know there's no pride in cutting out the knife and profiling the knife yourself that's that's the monkey work you know that's kind of the dumb work that's not important or even blasting holes in them and so but that would help another save a reason lot. for me doing that sorry to interrupt oh, yeah. another reason for me doing that is that it's actually cheaper sure because where i get them um well mine are laser cut um they, they get really good deals on the steel so they yeah. get steels in a huge huge sheets so by the time they've cut it out i'm actually getting a blade cheaper than i'd get it if i were to cut it out myself so it's, sure. it obviously saves me labor time but it saves if, me time on on parts as well because you mean if you were to source the material yourself and take the time to cut it out and drill holes and all that stuff it's way exactly yeah, yes yeah. yeah for sure yeah no i mean ju just just the pure steel before right. i even start any labor on it i'm getting them cut out cheaper than i could that i could get the steel for oh wow so yeah it's worth if you've got big batches or if you've got a let's say a design that you're continually doing it's it's worth trying to source somebody who can i would know, say the same thing what, exactly the same yeah. thing yeah, makes sense. Um, I, and then, what is it? When I was doing the, the the primary grinding before my heat treating, I used to do it all barehand, the same way I do my finish grinding. But I realized there's, you know, I'm not worried about overheating the blade, so I started using push sticks, and I could really hog out, you know, like the blade down to like eighty percent in like fifteen minutes if by using a push stick. Um, and not worrying about, you know, burning up my hand or something like that by holding it by hand. Um, and that really helped speed things up quite a bit. Um, yeah, but I don't, I, I think other than, other than that, I can't really think of anything else other than like Craig and Jeff has said is just to be organized about it and work in processes, um, across all the knives. Once you have th that system figured out, then do the same thing on every single knife and, and multiple drill presses. That was yeah, like huge. Yes. Yeah. The multiple mm. drill presses was such a huge. I didn't think it was going to make a big difference, but when you're changing out the chuck every five minutes, it's like ridiculous. I love, I love having multiple. I ended up buying another drill press just for Kydex, only for Kydex, and it's like sure. even that's my Kydex. I've cut, I've cut the process down by half by having a dedicated drill for the Kydex and then a dedicated saw for the Kydex and then a you know an Arbor press and just not having to like where's this bit or where's that bit or you know i don't have to worry mm. about anything i knock it i knock a sheath out after it's dry after it's cool super quick mm, i don't think it's i don't think there's anything wrong with i mean the problem is people have a size a uh, shop size issue but multiple multiple pieces of equipment is huge multiple yeah. pieces of equipment is a giant 
You know, it's like when you're using the grind. If you have right angle grinders, they're so cheap. You might as well. When we had when I was in the fabrication shop, we'd have I'd have three grinders. One had a cutoff wheel, one had a uh, wire wheel, and one had a you know a sanding disc. And being able to kind of like dedicate one abrasive to each one saved me a ton of time. I didn't have to change. I didn't have to change everything all the time, and it just saved me so much time. It's like it's almost surprising. And it's not just the time of changing the tools over. It's that opportunity for distraction. That's not happening because it's ready to go. You just go, bang, I'm off. Right. Particularly me. You know, if I can find a reason to do something else, I generally will. But you were just talking <laughs> about drill presses. And I've got to say, this is how stupid I am. I worked something out this week. And I was like, don't you do something and that's just your way of doing it. And you think that's the right way. Um, but I, I was I was drilling some holes um, for Corby's, and I, I did, you know I do the first hole on all the on all the, the blades in it. I'm sorry, all the handles in a batch, and then I come back and then I you know I change it over and then I do the uh, you know the shoulder the shoulder right. part of it. So the the bit I've got it's it's a shoulder and there's like a little shank then at the bottom which is just you know fits in the original hole and so on. So what I. <laughs> This I sound so stupid even saying this now because I was just like, what the hell have I been doing? And, you know, I've, I've, I've done hundreds, literally hundreds of knives where I always find that the screw is, is, is too long. So I grind off a little bit of the screw first and then I, I set my depth on my depth um, finder on my drill press to make sure I'm not drilling the shoulder in too far. And I was doing it, I was doing it, well, yesterday this was, and I was like, why the hell am I doing this? Because you can't drill too far because of that little shank that's there. Do you know what I mean? There's the little shank below where it cuts the shoulder. So you yeah. can't drill any further than that anyway. So I was thinking, why the hell have I been spending all of this time, each time, Wait, I don't <laughs> grinding understand. down the screw and setting, setting the depth for it? I'm just, I'm just stupid. I did it wrong the first time, and I was just, oh, this is where I do Wait, it. Wait, I don't understand. And I've done it literally understand. hundreds of times. I don't understand. I don't know either. It's no, it's I don't understand what me. you're talking about. <laughs> okay, so let's. The, you drill the so original the hole to the size of the hole from the uh, the the blade. So you have the hole going all the way through, and then you switch yes. over to the uh, the shoulder, the step bit. The step bit. Yeah. Okay. And the, the step bit has a little shank at the bottom, which right. fits in the original hole. Right. And that could be three or four mil, maybe. Okay. Um, and what? But what I was always doing was, <laughs> so I didn't drill too far with that step. Oh, bit. you thought that the, you, in your mind, you thought that the, the shank was going to overdrill the all other the way side. Through. Like an idiot. <laughs> like an absolute. And I've literally done this hundreds of times. It's just because you do it once and it works, and I just hadn't thought about it again. And I was just thinking. Jesus Christ. So I was grinding down a little bit of the screw each time as well. And there's no need because that, that the depth of that shank is perfect. You, you know, you get perfect um It's not going to oversize depth. the other side. Yeah, right. each time. And it, it, I'm just like, what? Well, now, you've, now you figured it out. Now I figured it out and I'll, I'll, I'll save so much time. But it's just one of those things where you're just like, Jesus, what the hell have I been doing this wrong for all this time? You know, I've been idiot. actually... When Absolute I, idiot. I've... I, I, I get worried because, especially if I'm doing liners, you got to make sure that you don't go past your outer your outer layer of G10 or your outer layer of wood. Obviously, you need to bind that. If you go through that, I mean, you're not really yep. giving yourself any bind. So what I've been actually using a lot is I I, dedic I have one drill that has a um, 
like a flat plate, you know, a workstation. And then if, if I need to kind of like get it a little bit closer, I use a one, two, three block. You know about those? Mm. Yeah, that's what I use a lot. The yeah. one, two, three yeah. blocks are so great because it always passes right through. And it's such a great, it's such a great little tool, those one, two, three blocks. I use yeah. it to make sure that my uh, grinders are, uh, the platens are square to the table. But I yeah. use it, I got one by the drill press. And if I have to just kind of bump, I just have to bump one side. Like, you know, you, you know, you, sometimes if you're just dry fitting it, you need to like bump a little bit. I got that one, two, three block and it's perfect. Yeah, I've got a couple sitting on my drill presses all the time. And I use sometimes I use two to hold things up and the clamp can go in the middle. There's yeah, there's all sorts you can use them for. It's a fucking good ass tool right there. Yep. Right. We've only done one question. Jesus. All right. The second one is from Third Shift on Instagram. Uh, hey guys, just wanted to slide into your DMs and say thank you. Thank you for your entertaining show every week and thank you for your awesome sponsors. Hey hey. He's just ordered a grinder from Broadback Ironworks and some belts from Combat, and our discount codes have saved him, saved him over three hundred dollars in one day. There you go. And he appreciates. Look at you. Three hundred dollars in one day. Look at you. And that. So if we're talking discounts. Combat abrasives make the world's best abrasive belts for knife makers, available in any size and at unbelievable prices. Go take a look at CombatAbrasives.com and get 15% off with the promo code KNIFETALK15. Do it now! So be like Third Shift. Get your discounts. CombatAbrasives.com and use KNIFETALK15 to get 15% off. I got... Uh, $300. That's, that's a lot. That's, that's good. I got a couple people sliding in my DM saying that when we were, when we were doing that one week or the, with the Manscaped, <laughs> all of a sudden they're like... <laughs> Yo, my phone is like listening to your podcast because all of a sudden all I'm getting are these ball shaver ads. What's going on with you? you know, every, every time, and all of a sudden, it's like anytime you say anything, my phone hears it, and next thing you know, it's all ball shavers and beer. Yeah, I think they just had a, a bunch of them they wanted to send out to people all at once, I think. I think that's what happened there. But um, I wonder if anybody actually used the, the promo code to get a Manscaped from the show. Well, huh? They won't be admitting it if they did, I don't think. <laughs> okay, the next question comes from the 20XD6. Uh, just got evacuated from my house because of the wildfires, and it made me think, um, are hardening tools, are hardened tools or, and uh, knives and hammers and other blacksmithing things still good after a fire, or they need to be reheat treated? I would think they uh they need to be heat treated. Again. Yeah. Myself. Uh, I mean, those fires a, get pretty damn hot. There was a blacksmith it was on on um the blacksmith's pub. I forgot his name right off the bat and Jesse's gonna yelling at me and fight you know, as he's listening to this. And he had a fire and then his all his anvils lost their temper. The anvil and the and the whatever they couldn't get out, the anvil lost his temper. So they had to reheat treat it because obviously if if the fire is hotter than your temper, then you're going to ruin the temper. So yeah, if you got like hammers and you know, anything that's gonna be hotter than whatever it was tempered at, and most likely it was like you know, under 500 degrees, 400 degrees or something like that, 450 or whatever, you're most likely going to have to have some, you have some soft shit, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah, that happened to uh, the DeRosiers, uh, Adam and Haley DeRosiers up in Alaska, unfortunately had a, a giant shop fire uh, a few years back, I think about four, four years ago or so now. And um, 
it was pretty devastating. Their whole entire shop burnt down. And, um, and so in, in the rebuilding and everything, part of that was reheat treating their anvils and, and one of their anvils they had, so they live in Alaska right next to the water. They built a giant fire right next to the water and used a, and had a chain or, and put the anvil in the fire. They built it up, had it, I don't know how long they had to have it going to get that anvil red, glowing red hot. And then, uh, and they, they already had a chain around it. And so they, uh, hooked it up to a, like a, an ex, like a mini excavator they have. And because it's right next to that salt water, they basically did a brine quench on the fucking anvil. They yeah. lifted wow. it up, pivoted it over, you know, whatever, 15, 20 feet, however, whatever that difference is, distance is, dip it in the water. They did interrupt it, so they dip it in, pull it out, dip it in, pull it out. But it was pretty wild to watch. That was amazing. And I, before I saw that, I had never thought about how anvil is heat treated and just the immense amount of heat and all that kind of stuff. And I, But it was pretty, wild, pretty cool to see, um, but again, you know, it was cool because they were like, fire, the better they were using a, uh, they were using that crane yeah. as a, uh, and they were agitating it. <laughs> so they were like agitating the anvil. So there wasn't like a steam jacket, you know, it was right. a really, it was super mm -hmm. cool. It was a super cool video, but uh, I just found out that the guy I was talking about, his name is, uh, Steven Bronstein. That's the black forge, the black thorn forge. He had to, uh, he had had a huge fire and, and, and all of his, all of his stuff had gotten soft because of the fire, the anvils and yeah. stuff. So, you know, positive now come on positive, positive, positive. all right all what's right. your favorite what's your favorite you know <laughs> what's sandwich? Your favorite i like that radio voice you did then as what's well. your favorite sandwich ladies and germs <laughs> that's more like uh that's what is that that's like a, a baseball announcer oh yeah. man those guys it's that i would say as far as broadcasters go i don't think there's anyone more talented than a play-by-play -play baseball announcer or a sports announcer those guys are so good they're so good it's so interesting to listen to them really cool well and what's crazy is they have like those earpieces in not only are they trying to fill as much space and keep talking the entire time but they got people feeding information yeah. statistics and all that kind of stuff into their ear as they're talking and then they spit that shit out it's Bonkers. they that you have to have such an understanding of what is going on and such a like you have to be beyond prepared like that's like mm -hmm. the that's one of the most amazing things of you know I love I love listening to those guys. Nice. All right, this, I got Who's this next sports one. announcer, everybody. Yeah. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> Nobody. Steve Rabel. All right, this next one is from Steve Ellis. Uh, he says, "Hey fellas, I heard you talking about copying other makers a couple weeks back. I never try to copy another maker, but is there an issue with using design aspects of a knife you've seen in a knife?" uh you are making or is this a practice that should be avoided thanks to uh thanks and live love the show what do you guys we've we've definitely it's, covered copying it, stuff yeah i mean it's a difficult one because there's only so many you know sharp and pointy things you can design you right. know they all they're all going to have a point um and they're all going to be sharp so you know it is difficult um some people do, you know, specific things on their blades to to set them apart from others, and you know, if you're purposely stealing that, that's that's not good at all. 
But, you know, if, if you're making something sharp and pointy, it's going to be similar to somebody else's. There's, there's no two ways about it. There's not much you can do, really. People are very influenced. And once you learn the, the, the structure and the basics of knife making, you can be influenced. And it's a question of, a lot of it's a question. I, I, I come from an idea of that I think that it, the most important thing is sincerity. And the sincerity is, is coming from, you know, you're coming from a place and then you're building upon what you're doing. So you're having evolutions. I think evolutions are, I mean, that's what an, a real artist does is they make small evolutions to what they're doing and then you see the entire body of their work so you see what a knife you may look like from you know from now to five years ago and you see that progression so mm -hmm. in regards to copying of course you know some you know unfortunately when we talk about knives something you know one of the biggest thing is people say that's cool or that's sexy and all of a sudden you get like all horned up and then that's what you want to do i think it's important as a as a craftsperson or someone of of character and is to see what somebody's doing, appreciate it, and, you know, whatever. I don't have to, you know, write the Magna Carta of apologies and stuff like that. But, like, I think is to, most important is to see where things come from. And then the really good stuff always comes from a real place of, you know, short evolutions as opposed to, you know, bingo, bango, bongo, but bouncing all over the place and seeing what other people are doing and then just trying to copy them. Yeah, I think the biggest mistake I feel like I see people make is taking inspiration and then it kind of almost acting as though they come up with the idea completely right. on their eye on their own. And I think the foolishness in that is that there is no problem in attributing credit to where that inspiration is came from. And for who, for, you know, say I didn't actually know Jason Knight and I just finished up this Bowie chef and I posted it, I would most certainly say, you know, I've been, uh, inspired by the work of Jason Knight and Adam DeRozier's, uh in creating this blade, who knows, that might spark up a conversation with those makers, and then we become friends. And then I have those people to lean on if I have questions from time to time or something like that. But when you just, for some reason, people, I, I don't understand why people think that they have to somehow have created the wheel instead of just simply attributing credit where it's, where where it belongs you know I, I just i don't understand that like they need they need to come to have come up with it on their own otherwise people aren't going to think that it's great but the problem is that you're going to be in a deeper hole if anybody happens to know exactly who you got your inspiration is from and you and they know that you're using it basically as if you created your own and and I don't know. You're just going to look like an asshole more than anything. Here's, here is the problem. The problem is when you are coming to the position where you're making something and then you start to do it, you're finding satisfaction in your success. And the problem is we want our satisfaction and success to come from this degree of originality. It's not the object. It's where, where it came from. And we want that to come from a place in our hearts that it's completely 100% original. And the fact that you, somebody say, oh, you made that just like this guy, that is uh, a, a damaging blow to the human psyche. You want to think that, well, I'm good enough to have done this on my own, and I'm, I, I don't want to, the credit to be given to someone else because that is a, that's a psychological wound, you know, that you think, well, I'm not good enough to do it. I had to, you know, rely on the idea of someone else. And that cheapens 
your your satisfaction. So that's, I mean, that's where that all comes from. Hmm. And so it's a complete narcissistic wound that you just, un, it's true. It's 100% yeah, no, true. I I, we, we make things and then agree. all of a sudden what happens is, is we have these perceived slights and then from an unconscious level, we feel that, well, it, it ruins my feelings of success because someone's already attributed to someone else. But also, I mean, we used to be able to, let's say, if you were if you were stealing an idea or copying, it would be somebody you knew or somebody local where you've actually physically seen the thing. But we're now in this sort of really weird time where we can look on Instagram, for example, and we can see knife makers from all all corners of the earth, and we could see their stuff, and we could essentially copy that or you know take some designer elements from that, and they wouldn't necessarily know. You know, it, it, it's weird yeah. that we can now get inspiration from virtually anybody in the world, any other knife maker who puts anything up online. Whereas before, people didn't have that. It would literally be their their local blacksmith or you know their local knife maker or anybody in the town they you know, they'd be able to see. But now we've got this massive library where we can just go online and and sometimes I'll do I will do that. I'll go online looking for inspiration sometimes purposely. Sure. Not saying I'm going online to rip somebody's design off. But just for inspiration, just think, oh, well, well, you know, where where could I take that kind of thing, you know? Absolutely. It's, you know, it's a tool as much as anything else, I think, having all these things where we've got, you know, as it, this just a huge library of other, other people's work. You think it's bad in, in the knife-making world. You go tr go talk to some cooks. These motherfuckers yeah, get mad. Yeah. You steal their vinaigrette. You, you took my shit. You put your vinaigrette. You, you know, you, that shit happens you all the time. You steal my vinaigrette? You, you, that shit happens. You know, that is number two. God bless the restaurant industry, and I, I hope that this all stems, you know, this turns into a better world for all you cooks who can't work and like that. But let's just be clear. Your motherfuckers are thieves, too. And what happens is it's the only business in the world where you can look at a resume from a cook and they worked in a place for two months three months two months three months two months and you still hire them <laughs> you know <laughs> because it's like you know yeah. they bounce around <laughs> oh you work you know and then they they show up they learn they learn the, the menu and then they fuck away off and make it their own i mean that's the, you know well, all of a sudden where do you think all these trends come from foam get me the fuck out of here all of a sudden that, that just came out of, you know everyone's making foam all the time get the fuck out of here Spirit just stick everything. your foam up your ass you know i mean yeah. come on okay i think we need cheering up oh again. jesus H. We've, christ we've lost all this positivity you. come on these are a few of my favorite things is that julie andrews it was is. that from Mary Poppins oh. or was that from uh, oh. Gone with the Sound of Music? Sound of Music. Sound oh, of so music. she's she's yeah. singing in the singing with the background of Nazis in the background. Very positive. <laughs> trying to, right? Isn't that what it is? Yeah. Jesus, you got to take it down. Well, I mean, you know. Favorite films. Okay. <sighs> I'll go first this time. Go Give ahead. you guys uh, some time. I'm ready. Um, I'm not ready. Top film <laughs> of all time for me is the first Back to the Future. I love Ooh, yeah. it. Every time you watch it, you see something else. It's a good movie. That that sort of ties back in later That's in the really film. That's a good one. Yeah, I've got I've got a print here. An artist friend of mine called Brendan Dawes. He does uh, he does like sort of futuristic art and stuff, and uses a lot of sort of digital stuff. Um, but he took a a screen grab from the film, a super super high resolution screen grab, um, every fifteen seconds from the film, and he's put up these screen grabs like a like a film strip. And this is this huge print, so you can go, and if you use a magnifying glass, it's been printed super high resolution. You can actually see each of the scenes. It's really, really cool. 
Um, but yeah, it's always been a favorite of mine. Back to the Future is 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 a classic. Love it. Nice. Um, what else have I got? It, it's, it's, this is quite a hard one because a lot of these are sort of nostalgic for me. You know, right. they're like you, you hark back to being a kid because, you know, modern films, you think they're great, but we're, we see so many, so much stuff being released all the time now. It's whether they'll stand, you know, stand the test of time. Um, but the next one is A Star is Born, and that's the, the newest one, you know, with Lady mm. Gaga and Bradley Cooper. Um, yeah. I think the music in it is brilliant. Um, Gaga is amazing in it. You know, I didn't, I didn't think she could act, but she's, she's incredible. Yeah, and Bradley Cooper, great. he's really believable as this, this washed out old rock star. You know, um, and I, I've seen a few of the sort of behind the scenes stuff with that, and he literally learned to play the guitar for the film. So the bits in the film where he's playing guitar, that is him. But he says he, that's all he can play. <laughs> he didn't learn any. You know, he literally learned sure. how to play the songs that he needs for that. He couldn't play anything else at all. So yeah, props to him for you know the amount of effort he must have put into that. Um, Stand by me, oh, classic. Yeah. You are really nostalgic. I am. You're, I really am. Nostalgia is totally yeah. for the week. I understand. <laughs> for the <laughs> for the week. Yeah. Oh, what's your favorite film? Fast and Furious 15 or something, is it? <laughs> not last I've, never seen one, I've never seen one of those movies. <laughs> Good for you. Um, I've not seen me, that uh, Lady Gaga movie either. It's brilliant. Yeah, it's really, it's really good. great. Really good. Yeah. Um, Stand By Me reminds me of, um, what was that uh, American show with Kevin and, and Winnie? Oh, the oh, living the wonder, wonder, years. wonder years. Wonder years. It reminds me of that. It's got that sort of vibe to it. Um, love it. Stand By Me. Probably the greatest film of all time is next. Rocky, not one, not two, not three. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Rocky four. Rocky four with Drago. That's the <sighs> one. Gets me pumped up every single time. Here's to Philly. God bless you, Philly, but that one, <laughs> I don't know if that one was the best. Rocky four, it's amazing. It's, honestly, it really gets even the soundtrack in it when it gets going. Gets me pumped. What have you guys got? Was it, was that, uh, who was uh, Drago's wife? Was, uh, she was have, Stallone, her, Stallone's wife, what wasn't was, she? What was her name? Um, oh, what was her goddamn name? Big tall it was, uh, Bridget, Bridget, Bridget Nielsen. Nielsen. I have a funny Bridget Nielsen story. I, we're gonna yeah. just, I'm going to go a little bit deep because we need to get a little bit whatever. When I was a kid, I wanted, I wanted, I badly wanted the Playboy with uh, Bridget Nielsen. And instead of just hiding it and saying I'm going to steal it somewhere I'm going to get it and hide it I just went up to my parents and I said look I, <laughs> listen to me listen, I swear to God this is totally true my parents were recently divorced and I said year. to my mother I said look I want to get this magazine and I want there to be no problems and she just looked at me like I was crazy I'm like I'm going to be honest how old were you at this point I must have been I guess I was, I don't know. I'm probably like ninth grade or 10th grade or something. No, I'm probably like eighth or ninth grade, like probably okay, like 13 okay. or 14. 14. And I was just yeah. very like, look, I need this. I need this in my life. I want it. I'm going to go get it. And I, and then, and my mother was just like, I appreciate your honesty. Go ahead. She says, but you are not to hide it and you're to keep it, you know, so, you know, just on the coffee table. Yeah, I lounge. mean, in your room, but it was just like, this is a one-time thing. So I don't know who got it for me. I, I ended up getting it, and I was just like totally crazed by it. And and then, I don't my mother might not have been making the best decisions in regards to my parenting, but fine. <laughs> so she, she told my dad, who was very, very strict, 
And my dad was furious. He was furious at her, but then he came up to me and he goes, so we're, you know, I, you know, it was just like, I didn't realize that I had to like talk to both of them. I, you know, told my mother. So, so my, I see my father and this is, this is one of those things. It was the most disgusting thing he could have possibly said to me. And it would have ruined me in general and ruined the magazine. <laughs> he comes up to me and he goes, so Jeff, and then we had a relationship that was very, uh, you know, it was very father son. He's much older than me, but it was very like I had respected his authority. It wasn't very jocular. There wasn't a lot of cursing and stuff like that. And he just turns to me and he goes, "So Jeff, I hear you're on a beaver hunt." <laughs> <laughs> Jesus fucking Christ! And I just about my my stomach sank. I'm just like, Dad, I. He's just like, I don't want to hear another thing about it. He's like, I'm not happy about this. I ripped the whole fucking thing up, and I was like, bye bye, Bridget Nielsen. But um, yeah, that's my that was my uh, that was my uh, that's a true story. It was embarrassing. The whole thing was super bad. I'm embarrassed even telling it, but yeah. my dad just ruined it. He ruined. He's like my father saying that to me. He was like, God, why would you, can't you just? Brilliant. I was honest. It, I was I was move. forthright, and he just fucking in with one sentence just like made me just throw it up. And I'm a disgusting human being. <laughs> Good old Bridget Nielsen. There you go, Rocky Four. What are the other ones? Classic. Uh, that's it. That, that's that's it. my my top films. What What have you got? Go I'm, ahead. I'm ready. I got to still think. Yeah. Okay. Talking about nostalgia. Uh, Never ending story was oh. is a classic one for me, and I actually rewatched it just a couple of years ago. It's still I like I completely loved it. It was really good. Absolutely loved it. Um, and then, uh, let's see the breakfast club is, a, is uh, what is it in high school? It's when the first time, or what was it? It was on TV. It used to be like all of the, all of those films by that same, I can't think of his, what's his name? The director. Uh, John, it was John Houston. No, not John Houston. It was, uh, I know who it was. I'll tell you, go ahead. Keep going. Yeah. He, you know, he did pretty in pink. He did the breakfast club. He did the, uh, fast times at Ridgemont high. Uh, John Hughes, right? John Hughes, there you go. Nice. Um, yeah, so that kind of stuff used to play on like TBS, which is a, a network here in the United States, all the time. Like it seemed like it was nonstop, and Breakfast Club was one of those movies, and it was one that I always would stop and watch. Uh, and in my even in my twenties, I had it on VHS actually, <laughs> and I would play that. <laughs> While, you know, what, like while I just did chores around the house and stuff when I was living by myself. And I, I used to have every single line of that movie memorized. Um, but I absolutely love it. it That's the really... one with a simple minds track at the end, isn't it? Yeah. 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 The, don't you forget about me thing. Yeah. 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 It's really good. Did you relate to those? Did you relate to those characters? Um, I don't know. I don't think I necessarily did. I, I just, I don't know. I really liked it. I just really liked the story. And in the, in the, for some reason, the set, like where they were all at, there was it was this crazy, huge, like open, high ceiling library, um, with like sculptures in the middle of it and stuff, and all this. I, 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 there was something about the set I really liked too. That there, I don't know from a, from a filmmaking perspective, it was really interesting that they basically filmed the entire movie in just this one room. Um, but, Jeez. anyways. John Hughes is very interesting because all of his movies, there's a real sadness to all the characters. It's sure. like they're all they're all a degree of misfit. 
Yeah. I, I'm always been fascinated about and then and then he started doing like the Uncle Buck stuff, which is still that there's like a there's a tragic part of all of it that it's always it's it's fun to watch, but at the same time it's like you know, even pretty in pink, you know, the characters are like they're just there's there's so much pain and turmoil in all of them. Yeah, but I feel like that's more realistic than everybody being fucking hopped up on happy pills and yeah. pretending like it's a beautiful life every single second, you know? I don't know. Bringing it down again. <laughs> so much for the positivity. <laughs> oh, well, All right. Next sorry. one. <laughs> next one. The Shawshank Redemption. Classic. I, I don't know why. I it, Ever since I first saw it in high school, I absolutely love that movie. Um, the Matrix. Is, oh, that's a good is, one. is an incredible one. I've, I remember when like the whole massive, like in depth, uh, like five or six CD box set came out. Um, they're a DVD. I, I bought the thing and I watched every single second of it. I absolutely love it. I actually rewatched the whole trilogy again, like just a couple months ago, actually. Oh my God. And yeah, love it. I'm, I'm you guys watch so now. much TV. I think, that, I think oh. they're doing another one now with Matrix. Really? I, I'm, I, I don't, I, I can't, I'm, I'm trying sure to think about that, the yeah. last movie I've seen and I, it's hard for me to even... Car well, I was watching anything. <clears throat> I was watching it passively. I was because I've seen it so many times. I didn't really have to w- actually visually watch it. Mm-hmm. I was just kind of like listening. Oh, you have to it on in the background. Yeah, yeah, like what? Yeah, exactly. Like while I was washing dishes, or if I was whatever, you know, hmm. doing stuff around the house. Um, and then uh, the last one is Avatar. That's a good movie. Um, uh-huh. very yes. good. And they're actually, I guess, he got the green light for doing or the funding for doing a second and a third one. I think they're mm-hmm. going to block it all together, all the filming together and uh, hopefully have another movie out in the next, sometime in the next 10 years. <laughs> I think that first yeah. one took almost yeah. 10 years to make the first time around. Um, but yeah, that was a pretty incredible movie and I look forward go. to seeing the, mm. the sequels. There you go. A lot of nostalgia again there. Yeah. You, you, you guys talking are... about nostalgia. Have you seen Cobra Kai on Netflix? No interest. I have. Oh, it's I've, no seen the, I've seen the first couple episodes. It's super good. And it's they funny. keep making these little Dude. references and like little in jokes to the film. Yeah. yeah, I love it. I it's just brilliant. I just I cannot you I I got so mad. I watched the best thing on Netflix is The Last Dance. It's the documentary of the the Bulls and Michael Jordan and the dynasty and it is so even you don't have to be a basketball fan. It is one of the best things I've ever seen and I was it was. It brought me back to the '90s, and it was like, it really had so much. Really, it was fat. It was unbelievable, and I got so angry after. I was like, "What the fuck, are you guys watching this stupid Tiger King for?" Because this is some really, <laughs> really well done documentary. It was awesome. It was so great. Sure. It was. It was I enjoyed Cobra it. Kai. It was good. <laughs> but wait, you're saying Cobra Kai? Dude, is, you're saying Cobra is Kai like... is better than The Last Dance? They're, they're, they're very different, aren't Go they? ahead. Wait, very, wall very. is Cobra Kai better than The Last Dance? <laughs> Answer the question, Craig. Put it this way. I didn't finish watching The oh, Last Dance. You are. And I cannot wait for the third Dude. season of Cobra Kai. This is a total embarrassment. An embarrassment and a humiliation. Oh, this <laughs> is an outrage. This is an outrage. It's good. It's good. 
You you need to see it before. I'm not fu- I yeah, don't give before. a fuck about those guys. I, I that of that all that and not to mention that whole uh what is it called? It's called uh uh strip mall karate. I don't care about I, I I I'm off of it. I'm off of it. We had a we had a we had a strip mall karate guy here that we went to. Uh my 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 daughter was young to can I give her something to do? These motherfuckers are such thieves that it's like every five minutes my kid is we're picking my kid up. She's coming out with her pigtails and her you know her little dojo outfit, and all of a sudden she's like, oh, "They wanted me to show you this. They want you to buy this." I'm like, "What? Every fucking time you're hawking me in China for something? Get out of here, you, co- you karate school. Get out of here. Ain't interesting." There you go. Miserable old fucking hell. I don't are. give a fuck about Dan. <laughs> what is his name? Danny Manchuko or whatever. But Bobby whatever McGilla. Danny. I don't know what the hell. It, Daniel said. Get the fuck out Daniel of here. Daniel LaRusso. Daniel LaRusso. Danny LaRusso. Danny Manchuko. Yeah, <laughs> yeah whatever. Fuck those guys. I, I, I can't. I have a hard time watching non-real shit. It just like, I have a hard time. I'm supposed to watch that show on uh, Amazon Prime, The Boys. Uh, season two came out because I really enjoyed the first one. It's just like, still, it's just like, it's all this fake nonsense. It just bothers ah, me. You should watch Ong, thing about- Ong Bak. Ong Bak. Ong Bak. What's the Ongbok? Muay Thai. He's a. It's a. It's. If you like martial arts films, this guy's a fucking I mean, badass. I mean, I'm, I'm done with TV. I've had it. I'm, I'm having a hard time with this five. It's just like it's too much. Too much time occupation. Mind control. So, what have you got then, Jeff? What 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 would be the well, ideal? Well, I'm going to tell you that Deer Hunter was like it blew my brains out when I saw it. I loved Deer Hunter, and I loved. Um, Obviously, the Indiana Jones movies, which was this very exciting. Wait, wait. What's Deer Hunter? Go ahead. What's Deer Hunter? I don't know what that means. Deer Hunter is an incredible movie about these guys who come back from Vietnam, and they're their small town. Their small town in uh, in uh, the Catskills or somewhere in New York, and how they kind of re- or or in Pennsylvania. I can't remember, but it's an incredible movie with with uh, John Voight and and uh, D- uh, Robert De Niro and and. Um, you know, fucking wackadoo. <laughs> Who's that guy? You know, the famous guy. Who's uh, more cowbell? Give me the more cowbell. More cowbell. Who's that guy? Forgot his name. Christopher, Christopher Walken. Walken. Yeah, Christopher Walken. Right. And it was a great movie. And now, blah. wait there. Can you do your Walken impression again? <laughs> uh, hey, give me some more cowbell. Hey, I want it. It's like it's kind of like your New York accent. I'm walking here. Yeah. You know. Yeah. And then. Um, I tell you what movie I like. There's a I like um, I like that Cook the Thief, the Wife and Her Lover. That was a really good movie because there, but they changed it because there was a young, sexy Helen Mirren, and they had her completely naked in an abattoir truck, like a truck filled with like dead animals, and she was she was so attractive. What kind of snuff film is no, this? No, the Cook the what Thief, the Wife this? and Her Lover. It's not a snuff. It was a fucking, it's a fucking classic movie from uh, Helen Mirren. All this fucking snuff movie. What are you nuts? Jesus! It was just like it was, uh, you know, a beautiful movie. She was a young Helen Mirren. It was hot stuff. Hot stuff. In the back of an abattoir. Right. That was the weirdest part. That was the Dude, weirdest part. So but it was just classic. like she was so attractive. Just like this isn't the best place for her being naked and attractive. She was like hiding. From, I don't remember exactly. That was a good movie. But yeah. they were somehow in the you know, blockbuster. When blockbuster was out, they erased that. Is this that interesting? Honestly, they they, they erased that scene. And she was all naked. What else? Huh. What else? Uh, the Indiana Jones movies. I always enjoy watching those. And then. Um, I don't know. 
I like Heat. Heat was a good movie. You ever see Heat? It was yeah, a fucking yeah. good movie, Papa man. Yeah. Those Michael Manson, those Michael Madsen, Michael, any, uh, anything with Michael Madsen I like too. You know? Hmm. Like, uh, I'll tell you what I watched the other day. The, the Kill John Bill's Wick, good. Uh, the John Wick films. And everybody's saying they're amazing, they're amazing. I watched the first one and I was just like, are you kidding me? It was awful. It was terrible. Yeah. Not my thing at all. Anyway. Well, I, you know, all these movies have, you know, conditioned us to accept accept excessive violence and, and perceived justice. So I, I try to stay the fuck away from all of them. Hmm. Yeah. Mind control. Further mind control. Blah, blah, One blah. One more thing. One more thing, which I watched this week. Um, I watched I watched a lot this week. We've had the in-laws living with us, so we needed to escape as much as we could. Um, the Social Dilemma on Netflix again. What's that? Um, hmm. it's, it's a documentary, and it's all about how... These social networks, they're basically a drug and we're becoming addicted to them oh, and sure. how they do it Look. and all that kind of... It's, it's really it's really eye-opening, actually. And most of the stuff people know, but you sort of suppress and you don't think about Listen it. To me. But, um, Listen to me. But the way they do it is really good. So they show a family throughout. So it's like part film, part movie, part documentary. And they show this family and they show how social media has split up the family. And it's then they talk about you know they, they got like ex-CEOs of Pinterest and Instagram and that and they're saying you know that none of their kids are allowed to have a phone you know mm -hmm. and you're like well why aren't your kids you know it's it's, it's really good really, really here's good. what I'm going to tell you this movie yeah. sounds like would be the 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 equal to me saying you're you're not allowed to eat just McDonald's it's it's all mind control I'm reading all these <laughs> books about mind control and what's going on in our lives we are controlled from stem. I'm not going to sound like Alex Jones here, but I mean, we are controlled stem to stern, and we are do and we are doing that now. This podcast, you know, why I always used to say it's to keep you company. It isn't. It's to occupy your time and occupy your mind. So we are controlling your mind. All this shit, all this stuff, the advertising, all of it is uh, taking away our free thought. So there you go, crackpot corner over here. You know, yeah, deep yeah, into those. oh man, dude, I am like, it's like we're having like what, uh, we're having some things in our house. What is compelling you or, or driving? I'm you fascinated to, by to it. I'm, listen. Yeah, I'm trying to be a better uh, interviewer, and I'm trying to learn about the human psyche, and I'm trying to learn about uh, you know being you know interesting, and even trying to figure out ways in which to you know how, how we live our lives, and part of it's about uh, you know it's, I'm fascinated by the human mind, you know. Blah, blah, blah. There you go. But it is everything. I mean, anything that change, you know, when you hear people say expressions that you've heard from somewhere else, that is successful brainwashing. It gets mm. fucking bad. It gets fucking bad. When you're not hearing original thought and you're repeating things that you've heard, that is as bad as whatever that social media, you know, show is saying. Everyone's completely uh, susceptible to having their minds controlled. So, yeah. You will you'll enjoy this documentary. Uh, then. I think you would. I really do think the social dilemma. Is I great. will watch it. Jeff, tell me about okay your top five. Oh Jesus, more top five. Okay, top five. What? Okay, let's change. No, this. go ahead. Let's say, I'm ready. One. I'm ready. Your, your top one grinder. Oh. what's your favorite grinder? Let me think about that. I would say the Broadbeck <laughs> Ironworks two by seventy two grinder. My God, that thing is awesome. I have, I love those guys. And um, one one thing I'll say about uh, those guys, I've said it before, and I've said I say it again, is they're very easy to get a, a hold of. Uh, Brian and Vince want to be 
there for you. So what they do is they try to make a grinder that's compatible for you and your small shop, your big shop. It's very versatile. It goes side, you know, you can put it on a horizontal or a vertical. Uh, they have all these attachments are very reasonably priced and the shipping's included and everything like that. And what they want is they want to give you the best value they can and give you the most for your money. Um, definitely go to uh, broadbackironworks.com, put in Knife Talk 10, get 10% off. Uh, some of the things about it, I mean, they made, it's a beautiful grinder. I mean, it's my number one, it's by, it's the grinder that I use and I really, really like it. Get yourself the VFD, stop fooling around with the other one um, and you will be surprised at how it makes your life easier. It makes things efficient and saves you time and energy and that's all you want. BroadbeckIronworks.com, Knife Talk 10. Um, that's my top five grinders. Broadbeck, 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 and Broadbeck. <laughs> okay, okay. Let's go back to asking some questions. We've got we've got a bunch here, and we'll just fire through as many as we can. Go ahead. Um, Nick Cancelmo has asked, for Mr. Fader, how did you come up with your design geometry of your oyster knives? You have to open oysters. And one of the things when I was a kid, my dad used to tell me, you can use a flat head screwdriver. It, it, it will open up a. It'll open up an oyster, and then when you get into culinary school and you start to open oysters and you figure out what works, every oyster isn't the same. That's the crazy part. And is if you go to talk to professional oystermen, they have like five or six or seven different types of oysters based on how you can open them. The the shell of an oyster is different based on the wild ones versus the farm raised ones. The farm raised ones are harvested much younger than. The old, the old ones the old ones have a hard shell then you can usually pop open from the from the um the um the butt that's referred to as butt shucking uh, old school uh and um then there's the farm raised ones where the shells are very uh delicate where you actually have to pry it open and open it up like a clam so you're using something more like a butter knife you have to figure out different and i learned because i befriended i made the standard new haven style which is kind of like i see them also as pro pry bars some people like them razor blade sharp i don't know those people are crazy i don't know if they're what they're doing um but you want to be able to kind of like pry open the shell so i think the most important part is is to try to open up oysters and see what works i used to do this uh new haven style oyster knife and i was i black i broke five oysters and it's because they were farm raised and i wasn't opening them the right way because of the oyster so i started making what i call the sidewinder and now the sidewinder is you kind of like you can kind of like ease it in the side and then you kind of like twist it and crank it open and then and then it'll open the other thing is is oyster knives are generally inexpensive generally and the problem is is because you know the handles are like put on a lathe or whatever they're fast like light bulbs i think it's important to have an oyster knife that fits based on how it give you the most amount of uh adjust, uh less more leverage and less you know brute strength so i try to keep my the, the handles flat on the side so it's easier when you grip it and the most important thing is actually learning how to open oysters and then figuring out what yeah. works and what doesn't work because it's totally different from um from cutting you know and a lot of times and i've said this before and i'll say it again a lot of knife makers who don't know how to cook don't necessarily understand what they're looking for in a knife and the same thing with oyster knives and unless you start to kind of work with oysters and what works and what doesn't work and what not only what works but what makes it easier then you can kind of design your oysters you don't want to do a lot of slipping you don't want to you know put it in your hand you don't want to you know you don't want to someone you know because that's you're almost more 
oyster knives are more dangerous than culinary knives because you're you're you have one hand on the oyster one hand on the knife and then you're just kind of like there's a lot of tension there so things can slip and you can get it in the hand so i think the most important thing is that you actually learn how to open oysters and feel what works for you sure well and i think also is to talk to who whoever's possibly wanting to have one made you know figure out what kind of oysters they're actually opening uh i think last time i was looking up oyster shucking knife designs i found like 20 different shucking knives yeah and part of that is because they're kind of tailored to the type of oyster so if you're doing like a kumamoto which is like this tiny little almost like half dollar size oyster that's kind of flat you're not going to need a big giant super thick yeah uh blade versus if you go to like a shigoku which is has a super deep shell or cup side um that's going to be very different to and then to like you know a, a pacific oyster you know, so I think the key, yeah, like Jeff was saying, is definitely first learn how to open oysters and then get an idea of what is going to be kind of a general purpose one. But I think also try to figure out, you know, what what works for specific styles of oysters. And, you know, there oyster bars have become a big thing, I feel like, or at least were a big thing <laughs> in the last, you know, five years or so. Um, and if there's, if there's one near you or you can connect with one and try to get some feedback and what they're looking for, cause those people are, are slamming through all kinds of different types of oysters all day long, uh, hundreds a day. So that might also help inform you on how to make your, um, length. Length is an issue too, Craig, like, you know that, <laughs> you know how, you know how length is an issue. Craig, mm. especially for those butt shuckers. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There you go. There it is. Yeah. Well, you <laughs> butt shucking an oyster, you gotta make sure that leg's okay. You don't want you don't want one too long because you know if you're using a small yeah a small oyster that you're butt shucking, you don't want it you don't want it to be too long. You know, I actually had a guy I got reached in my DMs a few years ago and he says, I need a oyster knife with a six inch blade. I'm like, fucking six inch blade. What is this? Like Tom and Jerry fuck? oysters? What are you talking about? <laughs> Nobody needs a six inch. I'm down in New Orleans. He's like, oh, the oysters down here are big. I'm like, dude. You don't need a fucking six inch blade. He wants like a fucking. Sounds with coke. Yeah. It's like a, yeah. it's like a guy. He was like, oh, you don't understand where I was like, I've been in New Orleans. No one's need a six inch oyster knife blade. You, you know, some dudes have like two and a quarter inch long or two or three mm -hmm. or three and a half. And sometimes they want the, uh, you know, the, the kind I do for the, my hinge crackers have a curve and that curve is to help you kind of get rid of that, uh, you know, like loosen up the abductor muscle. Um, so, cause you know, you crack it open, hit the pressure, but then you have to release it. You want it to look nice too. Like that's the, the problem with shucking oysters is you don't want to beat the shit out of it. So it looks like it's already been chewed up. You want to try to open it <laughs> gently and then like release it from the shell. So it looks beautiful in the shell. So if you don't, if you want that, you want your, you want your blade to be a little hooked sometimes so you can kind of like get up into that, get up into that shell, you know? There we go. There we go. Thorough That's answer. That's a thorough answer. Wandering Priest says, uh, morning gentlemen, my question about finishes of forged items. Um, I've been, I've seen lots of hooks, bobbles and bottle openers. Bobbles? What's a bobble? Like uh, but I've had a hard tchotchkes. time getting a consistent... You know, little, little uh, bits and bobs. Bits and bobs, okay. Okay. 
uh, bits and bobs. Okay, I have a hard time getting a consistent finish with with beeswax or linseed oil. So, any tips or tricks on getting that consistent finish on forged items, especially longer ones, where it's hard to keep the temperature consistent throughout? So that's from Wandering Priest on Instagram. Finishes on forged items. So is this like a waxed blacksmith? Yeah. Kind of finish. Whatever. He wants a good finish. That's a nice, easy finish. Is it? I, isn't one of the keys not to over wax it, especially because if you try to get back in there to to like rub off some of that wax, especially with like a paper towel, you're just gonna leave, or even just like a cloth, you're just gonna be leaving all kinds of lint behind, right? Because especially if there's any scale on the on the material, it's gonna be catch, you know, it's gonna be catching all these little fibers and stuff like that. I, at least that that's been my problem. What I do is I put it when I with the, I I like gun gluing and I use I you know I hit everything with the wire brush or you know mm. hot yeah. wire brush is better because you end up getting a uh, you get a nice you a lot of times the wire brush when things are hot it gets a it's it, the wire brush kind of massages a little bit it I just like a wire brush finish that's when the steel is hot the other thing is um i use gun blue i love gun blue and then when i wax something afterwards i hit it with a with the propane torch so there's just kind of like take all all the excess off and then the wax kind of goes in all the like nooks and crannies and stuff like that and then afterwards i kind of wipe everything down and i don't really have a problem with lint and stuff like that but a lot of times the excess is yeah, so I hit it with the torch afterwards, and then let it kind of dry a little bit, and then I give it a, like a little rub with a like a you know a, a cloth, and I don't usually have problems with the. I'm, I'm not talking about knives. Ever... Yeah. I've always seen people preheat uh, the material and then add the wax, but yeah, do you do, do you pre- and then you hit it with the. I'll hit it usually again. when it's still warm, warm enough that it warm enough that you know with a brush that it kind of melts on. Yeah. You know, but it then and then afterwards, I'll just like kind of give it a lick with the torch just to kind of get the excess off and to get it all in. But I was talking yeah. about bottle openers and, and stuff like that, you know, but I do love uh, gun blue is great. I think gun blue is really great. And and, um, and wax. And then uh, that's what I usually do. But I'm not using it for knives and stuff, bottle openers and, you know, bullshit like that. No bubbles. Bubbles. What's your five favorite bubbles? <laughs> Five favorite bottles, everybody. I like the radio voice; it's lovely. <laughs> okay, you guys pick one each, and um, and we'll call. We're it not going to do. You're not going to do any five favorite things. We're we TV and movies. We've got plenty of time. We got plenty. Of, we done. We've done. What have we done? We've done songs. We've done um, movies. Okay. Okay. <laughs> run! Run! The Nazis are coming. <laughs> Five favorite. <clears throat> Places, places, places you've been, places oh, you'd like a good to one. go. Five favorite places. Go on, there, number Jeff. one is New York go City. Number two is oh man, it's fucking hard because I love Barcelona, I love Paris, I love Amsterdam. I'm gonna say all those not in order, and then I l- always love oh, fuck. I've been to Tahiti. Tahiti was fucking awesome. I would say those 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 mm-hmm. are the five. New York, Paris. Look at me, Jet setting. Oh, my fucking asshole! I am I'm fucking Tahiti. Oh yeah, I forgot it was Tahiti. So, uh, yeah, asshole time. Fine. No problem. I mean, it's the truth. There you go. So, European trip of the three. Okay, that's cool. Nice. What have you got, Morocco? Uh, first one is Busan, South Korea. Um, 
uh, when my uh -huh. before my wife and I got married, she was teaching over in South Korea for a year. And uh, I went over in, in at the, uh, what was it, like at wintertime during the winter break. And I was... Is that where you met? No, we met here in the United States. But then she oh, went okay. and taught over in South Korea for a year. Wow. Um, so we did the long distance. <laughs> to get away from you. Is Basically. That oh, She's like, wow. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> no. No, we did the long distance thing for a year. It was tough. Wow. That uh, must have been really yeah. hard. Yeah. And, Fuck uh, that. So I was over there for, yeah, it was pretty gnarly. Uh, we did it, uh, let's see, I was there for five weeks and uh, Busan, like, the, you know, Korea is a really interesting uh, country and it's got obviously a, a heavy history. Um, but the food there, a lot of mine are oriented around food. <laughs> the food there is nuts. Um, you know, you think you go to a Korean barbecue place here in the United States or wherever, and it's, it's the same. And it's just is not the same. It's so different over there and so delicious. Um, yeah. And Busan has a lot of history. It was kind of like the last holdfast from kind of like communist North Korea before um, the United States came in and helped push North Korea back. Um, so it's really interesting. Uh, there's, and, and the, they have all these ancient temples there and like thousand year old temples. Like it's heavy when you step into one of those places, like Jeff, you've been all over Europe. So, you know, you go to these ancient places, um, you know, well, it's you not that feel. ancient here in Amsterdam. It ain't that ancient. I mean, it's not like, well, you, you know, spent like, most of your time in the red light district, right? Looking at. The naked ladies cool. in the windows. Anyways, oh. uh, <laughs> uh, Busan, South Korea is pretty good. Uh, Oxbow is this little, uh, so here, in, uh, not far, it's, it's about an hour from where I live. It used to be a uh, National Forestry Service like uh, campground that they ended up shutting down, but it's like 20 acres all to itself. Um, they still allow people to go down there and camp. They just don't really kind of like really maintain it very well. Um, and it's just because they didn't have, they don't have it in the budget anymore to keep it up. Um, but it's beautiful because the Skokomish river comes flowing through there. So you have this beautiful river flowing through, uh, you got 20 acres all to yourself, basically completely untouched. Um, that, Look at uh, you on the tourist board. You're like, you're on the oh, tourism yeah, board. Am I selling it? I mean, kind of, um, <laughs> it's beautiful. Well, and I also proposed to my wife there, so it's a pretty special Aww. place for us. And uh, and then the next one is the Big Island of Hawaii. Uh, again, a lot of really cool history there. Um, you know, last time I was there was hanging out with Neil Kamimura, um, and mostly we just worked. But the, the times I've been, I've been to the Big Island several times before that, and I just really love kind of like the history of the place and there's so much to learn about it and um and a lot of the kind of like petroglyphic art and or petroglyph art and and temples and places like you can still see you know if if you're careful you know because a lot of those there are rules around how close you can get to those kind of things and stuff but um uh, it's obviously like tahiti the big island of hawaii is beautiful new orleans is another one Another really great food city. My sisters live down there some now. Big for, oysters there. Yeah, some big, <laughs> big, twelve-inch oysters. Big, oh, jeez! <laughs> um, my sister lives down there. She's been down there for about ten years now, and uh, I would love to get back down there again. Just the the art, the culture, the uh, you know, so much great music down there. 
a lot of really great food. Um, and you like a drink down again, there. Again, and you can drink where basically wherever you want down there. Um, it's crazy. But there's a lot of there's again another historical, uh, really interesting history there. And then Seattle, they hose Seattle. down the street. Oh God, Bourbon Street. Uh, they hose down the street in the mornings and then spray perfume because there's so much barf and whiz. <laughs> yeah, it's disgusting. There's a, there's, a, there's a street where I'm from my hometown back in Wales in Cardiff. Same deal. Um, there's a street. There's, there's a street in Wales. <laughs> There's a street, and it's right in the city centre, and it's, it's like surrounded by it's all the bars and clubs and so on. And it's it's called Chippy Alley, um, they call it, and it's just basically all the takeaway like chip shops. They're there, and then mm. these are the ones that they don't open till sort of midnight. They open till like six a.m. This is where everybody goes once they've had too much to drink, and it's cheap there. You can you know you buy your food and you, you walk away with it kind sure. of thing. And they do the same thing there every night. They need to, they need to like ho- every morning rather. They need to hose it down, and it's it's just disgusting. But it's it's like, it's like the best food when you've had a drink. But uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's uh, how many nights have you spent? Not very in that sanitary, alley? should we say? What was that? Sorry, how many how many evenings have or morning early mornings have you spent munching on chips oh, in that alley? It's, Every time you go out, you end up you end up there. It's 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 where all the food places are together. Sure. Just on this one this one little street, yeah. Not the uh, not the cleanest places. Yeah. <laughs> and then my last one is Seattle, Washington. Uh, it's just a really beautiful city and a lot of great food. Again, uh, also another very uh, a lot of interesting history in that place. Um, and so just being nostalgic, Jeff. My <laughs> local the week, big city. But fine. I understand. Yeah. yeah, I'm with you. Nostalgia episode. What's up, Craig? Where are you where are you headed? Where are you headed? Where have I got? I've got um, Rufiak, which is very close to where I live. It's sort of five Rufiak. It's it's um it's five minutes from the house here, so it's it's like a huge lake, and there's like a beach. There, I think it's like a nine acre lake, and they have got the beach there, and you can go out on boats, and you can fish there, and there's it's woodland wow. and so on. It's like a national mm. park. Sure. Um, because we're like the furthest possible point from the sea here where we live in france we're right in the middle and that's one thing i really i really miss the sea because i used to sail a lot and that kind of thing so rufiak is it feels you know because there's a beach there and you can swim it feels as if you're like close to the coast so rufiak we go there like two or three times a week especially now with the kids you know taking them there and they can go on their bikes and so on so yeah rufiak is just one of my favorite places um the second one is panath which is what? back in wales like made up names which, Penarth. It, it, it's it's a place, it's a little town back in Wales where I'm from. Um, I lived there in my sort of you know my twenties and so on. You know, single and it, you know it, it's just a beautiful place. Again, right on the coast. It's when I learned to sail and I'd be out on the sea all the time. They got a lovely pier there. Beautiful place. Um, third favorite place at the moment. It's it's our woods, our new woods that we've got. Um, I spent I spent a few hours there last night on my own. It's nice to just go there and take stock and calm down a bit. As I said, we've had guests here almost like all summer. <laughs> are you like, just stomping around you know? cursing you're muttering yourself? <laughs> yeah, fuck, <laughs> fucking God damn it. God, when are these people going to leave? I'm in my woods. Uh, uh, I'm in my woods, I'll piss off. It's nice to have just yeah, a bit of, sort of peace and you light a fire, make a cup of coffee, that kind of thing. Um, 
Greece and like all I've been all over Greece and like all the Greek islands and you know the mm. mainland Greece. So yeah, Rhodes, Kos, Corfu, Crete, all the, all those places. It's just like the most beautiful, beautiful place. The people there are beautiful. The food is good, and like the seas, they're the cleanest seas. They're like greeny blue, and it's almost like a film. It, like it's it's quite rocky there. So like if you if you like you're driving around, every time you turn a corner, there's another little cove there. Like this little like, hidden cove almost, and sure. it's just littered with these. It's a beautiful, beautiful place. And my last favorite place is is our house. Oh. Our house. We worked hard for every single brick here, and you know it's it's ours. It feels yeah. safe. It's it's yeah, yeah. it's yeah. <laughs> That's nice. And you know what the That's funny nice. part is? All these places we've been talking about. In my mind, I'm checking them off. I'm not gonna go there. I'm not gonna. Go. I'm not leaving Peekskill. I'm not leaving anywhere. I'm gonna stay fucking here. <laughs> That's the problem at the moment. I'm yeah. not getting out yeah. of my goddamn car. I went to Long Island. I went to pick something up. And I was like, I'm gonna wear a mask. I'm gonna get the fuck out of here. I'm getting out of here. Got yeah. invited to go all these places. No, no, no. Come on, do you want to join us? No, I'm staying away from all you motherfuckers. Yeah. The only thing I do now, we we got invited to a party on Friday, a friend of ours over here, and it's like, you know, it's like a Facebook event, and, you know, you see everybody who's going, it's just like, Jesus, there's more and more people going, it's like, there's no chance in the world we're going. So the only thing that I do, which has got any sort of social element here, is when I, every Tuesday night I play Piton. <laughs> like in another made up word and that's the only you're the best made up made up words this is the best made up word <laughs> it's the talk. only thing that i do where other people are involved you know and you know we keep what's your nickname again we're all, we're all pretty good <laughs> smasher. smasher fucking smasher <laughs> oh my god it's hilarious it's the good smash does that mean they call you the smasher because you just like lob them in and like <laughs> there's no like elegance or grace you just like lob them in like there's... crazy well, it turns out that I'm I'm not the smart. You have two you have two styles oh. of player. So, but you play in you play in pairs, and you, nobody needs to know how to play. Well, I just don't know why they call the you the smasher. Is. is it like a compliment or is it a derogatory? It is. It is. Yeah. It's just yeah. It's a sort of style of play. But it turns out that's not my style of play okay. at all. But you know. So what would if you're what would be the correct nickname for your style of play? Um, the placer. <sighs> that's actually so the, precision. the placer. The placer. It, it has Craig, the, the placer. Yeah. Yeah, it's not the best. There you go. Not the best. So, yeah, top five. You know, next week we'll do a top five dishes that you've eaten. For a 150th issue episode? For our 100. It's our 150th, isn't it? Yeah. Is that next one? We'll try and do something oh. special next we week. Gotta, we should get somebody on. We've been talking for weeks, haven't we, about uh. doing something special, actually, next week. And a couple of things just haven't quite pulled off but we had um, something pull off right really are we giving some shit away ah yes yes good well done i mean you know we got a couple more reads too just don't forget Yes. Well, Jesus Christ. Yeah. The pl- talk about the placer. How about the forgetter? How about Mr. The, the read placer? Come on, man. Let me, Jesus. Let me spin about on my yeah. heels here and tell you about my favorite sandpaper, <laughs> which is uh, from placer. Indasa. Indasa. And I've just gone through a shed loads of the stuff because I've just hand rubbed 100 knives yeah, like you before did. last. And yeah, it was a lot of work. So it saved me a lot of time. It saved me a lot of money because I use Rhino Wet from Indasa. 
it's the sandpaper that I use. The other guys use. Everybody I speak to uses it because it's the best. And as I say, it's going to save you time and it's going to save you money. But we can save you a little bit more money too. If you head on over to TexasFarriersupply.com and use Knife Talk 10, you'll get 10% off not just your Indasa uh, Rhino Wet Sandpaper, but off anything else that they sell. And they've got a whole part of the website now for knife makers with lots of knife making stuff. You get 10% off it all. So go to TexasFarriersupply.com, make sure you use Knife Talk 10, and make sure you're stocking up on your Indasa Rhino Wet. That's the placer to go. That's the place to go. So, our 150th episode right. next week. Who'd have thought three years ago from that very first... The very first episode, I think, was Walter Sorrells, then Alex Steele, and I went through all these different people. But, um, yeah, 150 episodes ago. That's crazy. Number one knife-related podcast on the planet. Thank you very much. On the, I'd say more than the oh, planet. Oh, well, I mean, I'd you say, crazy. Yeah. All over the place, yeah. right? All over the place, sir. So, I mean, you guys, you've been doing it with me for probably 50-odd episodes anyway. Only? It's been a, it's, at, at least, yeah. It's got to be. It's more than that. Really? Okay. okay. Little bastard. <laughs> you're, you're ripping <laughs> us off. You're, you're, didn't you grab us off? No, sorry, go, sorry. I, I, what the sorry, fuck, sorry, dude? Sorry. <laughs> Come on, man. The placer. The okay. fucking placer. I Let's love that your nickname, is, your nickname is the placer because you've forgotten all it's over not, the placer. It's not, though, is it? Fucking the placer. <laughs> So anyway, you guys have been a big part of the show for so long now, and it's our 150th episode coming up, which is just next week. So what we want to do is have some sort of giveaways. So the way we're going to do this is Mareko is kindly donating um, some Damascus, some very special Damascus for one of our listeners. Jeff is going to be doing a watercolor for one of our very special listeners. Um, and I've got gonna be a I'm gonna give, a set of, give him a batonk ball <laughs> a ball a ball I don't want to ship one of those things they're bloody heavy um, I'm going to do um, a matching set of steak knives so two, two steak knives so we've got so we've got three um, almost like prizes I suppose for our listeners and the way to get your hands on one of these and we're going to read them out live next week on the show um, is to give us a review on iTunes and the funniest one, so we'll read, we'll, through, we'll read through them next week, but the funniest reviews, without insulting yeah, us. Yeah, d- definitely don't insult us. Yeah, please don't <laughs> insult us. But the funniest reviews will get um, one of these prizes. Um, so Mareko will pick a winner, I'll pick a winner, and Jeff will pick a winner. And each one of these will receive uh, one of these prizes. So head on over to iTunes, give us a review, as funny as you can make it. And, um, you'll and positive. Let's Positive, not. yeah. Oh, yes. Don't give us a one-star <laughs> you know, review. I mean... You've got no chance of winning. We need a five-star review and say something funny. That would work. Nice. So, yeah, that that's next week, our 150th show. We'll we'll read these out and we'll we'll um, decide on our winners live on the show. And I'm sure we're going to do something else as well. So, yeah, stay we'll tuned, hope. please. We hope. We hope. We yeah. We're we we're trying to have a lot of things ready for next week, and so far none of it's coming up. So bear with us. It's going to be a special show. We don't know how yet. I promise you. I promise. So that's a show. I think one hour and fifty minutes of golden. We didn't radio. get anywhere. We didn't literally got. We got nowhere. <laughs> yeah. All I know is we people. We questions. should watch Back to the Future and go to. Yeah, South Korea and play Patonka Tonk. <laughs> I don't really. <laughs> I don't really. We didn't get. All, we didn't get very far. <laughs> but yeah, it's a show. It's a good show. So, 
Um, thank you very much for listening. Next week is our say it's our hundred and fiftieth. Make sure you give us a review. We're also going to do our top five dishes of all time as well. So if if you got top five, let us know. We can read a few of those out. Um, it'll be a fun show. So thank you very much for listening, and we shall speak to you next week. Bye for now. If you like this show, take a look at our other shows made for makers just like you at www.makery.network. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable, too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.